Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santorowski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about the racing world, uh, the non-racing world, the i-racing world, whatever you want to call it this day and age. So uh, joining me tonight, Richard Uden and Seth Eggert, fellas, how we doing? Doing good. All right, so uh, so last week we talked about Bubba Wallace um, had lost a real-world sponsor, a an associate sponsor, uh, due to some actions in iRacing. And seemingly, Kyle Larson said, oh, you lost an associate sponsor? Hold my beer. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, it's, you know, if you don't think you're – Behavior has uh, real world consequences. My gosh, Kyle Larson is in a is in a world of hurt right now, and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. I I didn't want to lead the show off with that, uh, but it is the you know literally the biggest uh, current racing story. Uh, but but the biggest racing story of the week was um, the passing of Sir Sterling Moss uh, at the age of ninety. Um, Sterling Moss. Um, you know, Formula One driver from Great Britain, um, widely recognized as the greatest driver to have not won a championship. And um, he's, he's really considered one of the best. And considering the era he drove in, you know, this is, you know, when men were men, the racing was very dangerous. The cars were, the cars were big and bulky, but very powerful. Uh, the circuits had very little safety uh, of any kind these guys drove without seatbelts but uh you know moss excelled during that time and uh, interestingly enough i've been doing a, a lot of research even before sterling's passing on um early grand prix seasons i've been uh, uh watching some uh, different documentary programs and reading up on it and the interesting thing is you know sterling moss has a i, I want to say is it richard is it 12 12 grand prix victories 16, I thought. 16, okay. So, I mean, he's... Uh, 16 wins from 66 starts, which is a pretty good hit record. Pretty good hit record, yeah. But but when you you consider the fact that 
honestly, these guys race so much more often than the stats show because there there were so many, you know, what you call non-championship races. Like, uh, per, take, for instance, the, um, the inaugural season of Formula One, 1950, right? I was reading up on this the other day. There were actually 17 races run to Grand Prix spec, but only like seven of them counted toward the championship. And, and one of them was the Indy 500, which, uh, you know, most of the Grand Prix guys avoided for the most part. Um, but so you had all these non-championship races, and Sterling won a ton of these non-championship races. And the non-championship races are sometimes called trophy races. Um, they, they used to always have one in Great Britain. You know, the, was it a Brands Hatch trophy race or, or Silverstone sometimes? They um, – and these non-championship races continued all the way into the 1980s. So you had additional Grand Prix that guys won, but their stats don't show. So, I mean, Sterling Moss won quite a few more races than than his record shows. So uh, Now, Richard, you're from England. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Sterling Moss is a hero there. So uh, just tell me a little bit, a little bit uh, you know, from your – your point of view on Sterling Moss and what he uh, what he meant to the world of racing, because a lot of folks are are uh, they hold him in very high regard. Oh, without a doubt, and I think you made the point there. That unfortunately, he was probably best known as, as you say, as the the driver with um, you know the most talented driver never to have won the champion world championship, and I think in a, a span of six years, I think he came no. Uh, Sorry, got to hit seven years where he actually competed at the top level. He came second four years in a row, uh, and then came third the following three seasons. So, and that was with one of the seasons, 1960, was almost like a half. Yeah, I think he completed four races out of the nine, and he still finished third in the championship with two wins. Um, so, the performances of the guy were, were phenomenal. Um, and the way the drivers those days could adapt between different cars, you know, the, the swap and change between cars, you know, throughout the season in terms of engines and um, you know, chassis designs and, and, and the like. So it was it was incredible his um, versatility and uh, you know to uh, you know to also have won you know and also taken in so many other forms of race. I mean, there's like probably 10, 24 hours of Le Mans and. Then, the 10 Sebring, uh, the Mille Miglia in, in Italy, which is actually probably one of his most famous victories, actually. Uh, I think it was is in the mid-50s. When he was just getting going as a Formula 1 driver, he won out there um, for Mercedes. Yeah, that was, that, uh, was a, that was a huge race in the day, the, the Mille Miglia. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's probably his sort of outside of Formula 1, his crowning glory. He even did the Rally of Monaco as well a couple of times, which I never realised, and came second in that. So, you know, a, a bit like a bit in the mold of like the Jim Clark sort of um, style of driver, but thankfully, you know, he didn't, uh, he survived his career as his, his, um, uh, you know, racing career. But um, outside of that, he was also a a very sort of, how should we describe it? (laughs) And I'm sort of poking fun at myself. He's very, he was very English. You know, he's really, he's this archetypal sort of English sort of gentleman sort of thing. And um, there's a there's a famous um, uh, interview that he did, because he did a lot of TV work after he retired. And there's a famous interview with James Hunt, 
who, as we all know, was probably the polar opposite of uh, Sterling Moss in many, many ways. And um, he was being asked, he said, so James, you know, this year's cars are completely different from last year's. They've got a lot less technology, a lot less downforce, but you're still achieving these fantastic lap times. You know, what do you put that down to? And, and knowing that it would make him uncomfortable, James Hunt just turns around and says, I've got big balls. And it, it was brilliant. You know, it's just, uh, he's like, oh, just stop being a bugger. You know, and he's just like... <laughs> I mean, he almost in many, many ways sort of reminds me, reminds me of my grandfather sort of thing. That sort of generation group. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually saw that interview just the other day. Someone very, posted it on yeah. social media and, and, and yeah. you know, Sterling was like, dropped the microphone and says, we can't use that. <laughs> yes, you know, it's it, it's so funny. And, um, it, yeah, that just sort of sums him up. You know, that is almost like the sort of public service announcement voice, that very sort of proper old sort of 19, you know, 1940s sort of British uh, accent and way of carrying himself. But, you know, he stayed active, the guy did. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago that he really withdrew from, you know, public image. But, I mean, there's clips around Mercedes when he did driving with Lewis Hamilton at Silverstone a few years ago and, and all of these sort of things. So. Yeah, and he was a regular fixture at Goodwood. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, especially the Revival Festival and all those sort of things. He was right up his street. And because he was a car guy, he was a racer. And, you know, that's what he cared about. And he cared about the car and and, and how you drive them and how you understand them and how you grow into them. Uh, A little bit different from tomorrow, from to driver, but they still shared that common passion, I think, and that common understanding of what it takes to be successful and take to win and i don't think you know he he would have ever changed or come across and and, and changed how he how he performed you know because of the way he carried himself you know he came out of the formula one um career you know with this huge amount of respect for how he carried himself and how he performed and uh yeah i mean it, it's a you know obviously it's a sad loss to, to the world of motorsport but uh You've also got to put it into context. You know, the guy was, you know, had a 90, 90s are pretty damn good innings, isn't it, on anybody's book. And uh, he's certainly got to be remembered for everything that he did uh, did well in the sport and uh, what he contributed, especially to British motor racing. And uh, it, uh, yeah, it, it certainly will not go unnoticed in the future. No, certainly. And some of those championships he lost were against uh, Fancio, who was stacking them up left and right. I, I believe he won. Uh, he was the first guy to win four in a row. Um, you know, yeah, back, back in the fifties, yeah. and, and and even if if you watch some of those, some of the tactics that um, Fangio's team would use that, that you oh. would never you would never see in in racing today, like if Fangio's teammate was faster, they they, 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 yeah. they 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 no they pull him into pits and switch cars. Yeah. Oh, or, yeah. and that you know, happened if, in the final race. I think it was fifty five, fifty six. Uh, the final race this season that uh, Fangio. Uh, you know, was going up against Sterling Moss in the championship, and uh, they retired one of Fangio's teammates to swap cars so Fangio could end up finishing second and win the championship. So, you know, so you know, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, things you couldn't easily do today with the, you know, the seats molded to the driver and these sort of things yeah. there, but you just oh, like, you know, Fangio is a team leader because I like. I like to drive his car or, you know, my car's got a misfire. I'll, I'll take his car for the rest of the race. Yeah. And no, you know, no, uh, you don't know, 
half points or anything like that. Just you know, so but uh, yeah, it's a well, totally actually, totally different area, in, area uh, totally in different rules. 50, Go ahead. Uh, in nineteen nineteen fifty four, Sterling Moss, and uh, this is this takes what I'm doing. He scored four and one seventh points. How you score a seventh of a point? I, I don't know. I believe that might have been back when they were awarding one point to fastest lap and seven drivers in one race uh, fastest lap because the fancy uh, time in scoring back then. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the only way. That's the only way it makes sense to me. Yeah, well, Seth, you're you probably right because because they did the the early seasons there was one point for fastest lap. But that, like I say, scoring didn't go to as many decimals as it does this day and age. So yeah, you could have guys tie for the fastest lap. So um, there you go. Yeah, and we you know, we we've much. seen it. We've seen an extreme uh, no, an extreme evolution of the uh, Formula One points over the years too. You know, we I, I remember when I first started watching Formula One in the seventies and the eighties, guys had to if you scored in all the races, you had to drop points. Because there's there was this weird system where the I think it was like your your best seven results of the first half of the season and your best five results from from the, the yeah. other half of the season. So you had to try it. And there's one of these I believe it was '79. I believe that if uh, if Villeneuve didn't have to drop points, he would have he would have actually beaten Schechter for the title by a couple of points. Um, but but I mean that's that's how the game was played. You know what I mean that's that those were the rules of the day. You couldn't count all of your results. You had to count. You had to pick the best five or six or whatever it was. So I mean, very very different to today's races. You know, today where there's what 22 races a season, and all the points count, and and uh, uh, there's no non-championship races. You know, that where where you could uh, just win a trophy and some money. So it's just a different world, which when you when you look at I mean, when you look at where Sterling Moss with 16 wins falls, you know, compared to, you know, Michael Schumacher, who's over 90 and, and Lewis Hamilton, who's who's climbing up on him. Um, and you think, oh, these guys must be such better drivers today. But but no, not necessarily. It's just just the way the the, the game is played. Yeah, totally. So no, I, mean, I think his his ability will st- would stand shoulder to shoulder with anybody else. Oh, certainly, yeah. He's yeah, like I say, he's widely regarded as as one of the best ever. And um, again, you know, sad loss to the racing world, but by gosh, he had a great run. You know, ninety years and he certainly um, did. many many of them involved in this. Where he, he's not the you know the you know some some guys you know after their racing career they just disappear. Um. Sterling was always there if there was a if there was a racing uh, event uh, he could he could get in there he was there you know he was uh, you know he's like uh, uh, you know like Mario you know can't stay away can't yeah. stay can't stay away from the speed so Seth you have any Sterling Moss comments before we move on to talk about uh, our young friend Kyle Larson Seth <laughs> um, regardless of uh, Regardless if you know the name Sterling Moss or not, he 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 he's definitely somebody that if he wasn't racing, I'm not sure we would have some of the stories and some of the battles. Uh, 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Especially in Formula One, let alone the Mila Mila or other series uh, to tell today. That's an excellent comment, Seth. I like that. Yeah, because, you know, you know, Fangio wouldn't have had all those titles if he didn't have a rival to beat. You know what I mean? You know, every everybody's got a rival for that title every year. So, but yeah, you know, rest in peace, Sterling Moss. And, and you know, above all, just just thanks for everything. Everything over the years, so great, great guy. I, I sadly never got to meet him, Richard. You told me you never crossed paths with him either. So uh, no, unfortunately, not. I've got some uh, friend, good friends of mine have. He did a lot of work for charity as well back in the UK. The uh, Mercedes F1 team um, have a um, a charity that they work. Some of their staff go out and uh, um, you know give um, unfortunately you know seriously ill children sort of special days with motorsports and a lot of time they meet Lewis Hamilton and uh, one day Lewis arranged for Sterling Moss to go there and it was more of a surprise for the people that uh, actually ran the charity and supported the kids than it was for the actual kids because most of the kids didn't know who he was but uh, that was uh, from what uh, what they were telling me actually that was Lewis's sort of way of giving back to some of the staff because obviously they all knew who, they all knew who Sterling Moss was and uh, he was more than happy to do that. He loved doing that sort of stuff for the kids and, no. and, the, and the fans. That's fantastic. That's fa- that's fantastic for Lewis too. You know what I mean? Lewis yeah. gets a bad rap, but yeah, he does do a lot of uh, philanthropic and charity work as well. They, they, a lot oh, of it goes yeah. unnoticed. So. All right. So Seth, let's, let's talk about Kyle Larson. Um, but we all know he said the word that you shouldn't say. Um, and I've been, you know, monitoring the social media comments. Like I always say, I like to torture myself by reading social media comments. And, and, uh, you know, it's pretty split people that are defending him saying that the actions were too harsh. Um, and the other half is saying, no, you just, he should, he should know better. He represents fortune 500 companies. And um, so the fallout was uh, great for him. Um, uh, by the way, uh, to preface this, if you haven't heard, during an iRace, Kyle Larson slipped up and said the N-word. Um, it appears he didn't say it in a malicious way. Uh, he said it to one of his friends. You know, he said, hey, and um, he didn't realize his mic was hot. And somebody said, yeah, Kyle, you're, uh, you're talking to everyone you know. And uh, there were a couple of reactions from other drivers. I believe it was Connor Daly. He said, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. Um, now, for me, as I kind of think about this, right, the way he so casually just said that word, 
I, I found a bit shocking. Um, which may, I mean, if him and his buddies refer to one another with that word, I, I, all I have to ask myself is why. <laughs> you know? So, I, I just, this day and age, especially anybody in the public eye, they, you should just probably strike that word from your vocabulary. And, you know, we've seen, just to say anything racially charged this day and age will cost you dearly. We've seen, you know, news reporters. We've seen uh, actors lose TV shows. Um, we've seen, you know, a lot of people just uh, just lose their livelihood over a racially charged or a racially insensitive word or comment, regardless of the context. So, uh, I mean, that's where I'm at. With I was just shocked that it so casually came out of his mouth well, like it was no big deal. Well, to set the record straight, so to speak, it wasn't actually during the actual race. It was during the practice session uh, leading into the race. It was the Mons of Madness that was being broadcasted live on enascar.com uh, in conjunction with Podium Esports. And they had brought in Alan Bestwick and uh, Al Tatum uh, to help broadcast the race. Uh, that being said, it was during the practice session that this happened. Uh, I don't know if Kyle thought he was talking uh, via TeamSpeak or Discord, which is a program similar to Spike or Skype that. Uh, allows you to talk to your teammates regardless of what game we're talking about, whether we're talking a sim like iRacing or a game like Call of Duty, etc. That being said, uh, there's also different channels on iRacing that you can set for team, for spotter, for uh, friends, etc. That being essentially what happened was he didn't realize either which uh, button he was hitting or which channel he was in when he said it. To my knowledge, he was trying to talk to his father. I know in the real world, Kyle has rather unique nicknames for people, especially when he's talking on the radio. Um, I believe his real-life father, uh, the nickname he has for him is Daddy. Uh, so, I don't know if that is something that may have been going on, but uh, regardless, there were other uh, sim racers who were live streaming uh, the practice session, let alone their perspective for the race. Uh, Timmy Hill was one of them. Uh, Garrett Smithley was another. Uh, and Joseph Newgarden. Joseph Newgarden. Uh, Jordan Taylor. The, the, and they were the ones who essentially caught that moment. On top of that, this was essentially a charity race. You had 60 uh, uh, drivers and sim racers in the race, including two executives from NASCAR. Oh. Uh, uh, you had Tony Kanaan, Ron Caps, Cruz Pedragon. You had uh, Jordan Taylor, Ricky Taylor, Connor Daly. Uh, so you had a huge list of celebrity drivers and dignitaries. And sim racers. So, as soon as that happened, my mind went to uh, something similar that happened about 10 years ago now with Jeremy Clements, where he was having an off-the-record conversation with a reporter, 
and somehow that got out. Jeremy Clements uh, was sent to sensitivity training and was suspended indefinitely until he completed that. The main difference between Jeremy Clements and Kyle Larson, Clements was driving for a family-owned team in the Xfinity series. Kyle no, Larson, no, no, let me ask you this. Now, Jeremy Clemens, what was the context that he used that word? Did he use it to refer to I, somebody specific, or because I, I, I don't, I don't recall the story. I, I want to say he was referring to someone. I don't want to say specific, but in general terms, uh, I because. I wasn't there, and I've only read about it. There was never a recording or anything like that. I don't know if he was saying it casually like Larson did, or if he was saying it in a more derogatory, pointed way. So, but the main reason why I brought it up is because that's exactly what I was thinking about after I heard Larson and watched the various Twitch streams, because... Some people uh, people that were watching the streams actually went and clipped the replays of that moment. Oh, yeah, it's all over and, social media. I mean, if you, and, if you want to see that clip, you can only have to scroll a little bit, and there it is again and again and again. And on top of that, some of them who shared it on social media specifically tagged uh, drivers like Raj Karut, who is African-American, or other NASCAR personalities. Uh, Darius Gilliam, who is a uh, YouTuber who is African-American, essentially to get their thoughts on it, which to me rubbed me the wrong way because they're going to see it regardless. It's poking the bear, isn't it? Yeah. It, to me, it was poking the bear. That All of that considered, I expected action from... NASCAR, which they did suspend him indefinitely. They did uh, require Larson to go to sensitivity training, as did the World of Outlaws. I wasn't expecting iRacing to suspend Kyle Larson. Typically, in a situation like this, what iRacing would do is suspend the voice chat privileges on the service. Uh, Then the sponsors started speaking out, and one by one, uh, they first announced what Larson said. Then they announced they were terminating their deals with Larson, whether it was Chevrolet, McDonald's, Credit One Bank, Clover, First Data. The only sponsors he has left are Plan B Sales and Marketing and Finley Farms, which sponsor his World of Outlaws efforts. Right, and the news earlier today that uh, Chip Ganassi terminated the contract with him as well. Yes, as did Chevrolet. Right, right. So I mean, I mean, Chip's between a rock and a hard place. He's like, you know, it's like, you know, you can run Kyle Larson, but you can't put him in a Chevrolet. We can't put McDonald's on the car or Credit One on the car. So he's, he's, uh, you know, as much as as talented as this young guy is, um, you know, boy, what a what a tremendous fallout from mm-hmm. uh, you know, just, uh, I, I got his own stupidity. I mean, he should. Oh yeah. I mean, anybody Can should. I, I just, yes, please. Comment. No, I mean, by no <clears throat> stretch of the imagination can I think anybody, and unfortunately there are certain people on 
you know, some of these websites and forums and, and the like that are trying to defend what Carl Larson said. Well, I, I don't think you can. I don't think under any context you can defend what he said. Um, he's obviously come out as an apology, and it's. Um, I don't doubt that for one moment it's very sincere and it, it's very heartfelt. Uh, but and I think there are instances like this where we have to point out that um, we're not saying, and I don't think anybody is saying, for want of a better word, that Kyle Larson is a racist. I think there's a big difference, unfortunately, between people that say racist things and people that use racist language, or which is used all too often when it's not necessarily used by people who definitely certainly understand the context of it and understand the historical meaning of it and there are people that do understand it and do use it in a very malicious way um now i i think that uh, everybody involved especially in the nascar side has certainly didn't taken the right action and, and put him in a position where he, he is he's untenable at the moment um in a way you know from his perspective <laughs> this shutdown that we have of the racing car at the moment probably helps a little bit uh, in that everybody's been suspended from driving right now. And it'll be interesting to see how, because the guy has to be given a second chance. I don't think there's any doubt about that for, for what he did. As I say, there was no, to my mind, there was no malicious. Now, if it was malicious, I think it would be a very different story, but he needs to go through the appropriate training. He needs to go through the appropriate, um, you know, course of action and um, to be, to have an appropriate punishment for, for, for the stupidity that he, he showed um, but it'll be interesting to see where he comes back and how he comes back and, and hopefully you know th there are people out there that have uh, you know damaged damaged goods for want of a better word that have come back and shown remorse and shown that they're a better character than that and and, and then gone on to better themselves and really regain the trust of people and hopefully Carl can do that I think I think he's a decent guy I, I don't as I, I think this was unfortunately a um you know, uh, some, you know, what, what, what was that famous phrase that Trump used? Uh, locker room talk. And uh, I, I think that uh, he'll be able to bounce back and, um, you know, hopefully get uh, from a driving standpoint back where he deserves. But he de definitely needs to have some time away from the sport to let this this one die down because it was uh, it wasn't good. Now, uh, something else I want to say, speaking of uh, drivers who were quote-unquote damaged goods that essentially have redeemed themselves, it's almost coincidental that Kurt Busch is, is or was uh, Larson's teammate up until earlier today because of all the various antics that <laughs> Kurt Busch okay. has been in over the years and how he's redeemed himself and he started that redemption at Stuart Haas Racing. So it it is well, just a little ironic, uh, hindsight being 2020. Yeah, wasn't it wasn't that Kurt Busch suspended for a couple of races for domestic violence, uh, when he, it, and, and it turned out that, 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 that he was perfectly innocent, yes. and, and that the, what was her name, Patricia? Driscoll. Driscoll. Oh, wasn't she the, turned uh, out that she was, she was, yeah, she was a CIA assassin, and she was a bit insane. But, uh, but, but she's but, currently but, in jail. Uh, she's currently in jail for uh, embezzlement from the Armed Forces Foundation. So, yeah, yeah. so you got to say Kurt probably wasn't a problem there. Yeah, so, but um, I, I, but, as, as far as uh, Kyle Larson is concerned, over the years, aside from that, but aside, from, aside from that, yeah, yeah, but he's uh, and, and <laughs> the funniest meme I saw was uh, 
picture of Kyle Bush smiling, and he says, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that look you have when you're no longer the most hated Kyle in NASCAR. So, <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, Kyle Bush, uh, this is a little bit of a segue into the iRacing section. Uh, he will be running in the IndyCar race uh, this coming Saturday in the number 51 Rowdy Energy uh, IndyCar in the iRacing Challenge. That, that is at uh, Motegi, right? It will be at Twin Ring Motegi. Right, right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. So, so, so just before we, we move off from the Kyle Larson thing, you know, where the, the guy's got, he, he'll be back in NASCAR. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, once he's gone through his, his appropriate uh, um, sort of punishment, as it were. But, um, you know, where do you guys think he'll end up? Um, obviously, the the Chevy thing sort of probably takes him out of the 48, because I think that would have been a perfect fit for him. Um, Honestly, I, I mean, it depends on whether or not Chevy will forgive him after he's done his due penance. You know, once yeah. he, you know, once he he's going to have to put some work in. I mean, at the end of the day, though, yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's going to have to put some additional work in other than the road to recovery or the yeah. sensitivity training. He's going to have to do some outreach to the African-American community uh, and this and that just to clear his name. And I guess but, also um, if, if you've got Rick Hendrick turning around to the Chevy guys saying, hey, let's make this happen. It'll If Rick wants it to happen, I'm sure it would happen. Honestly, at least until that point happens or something similar to that happens, I wouldn't be surprised uh, some of the so-called backmarker teams uh, take a gamble because where Kyle doesn't have anywhere else to go, if he's going to run when we do get back up and running, uh, he's going to have to run somewhere. Uh, granted, the equipment might be subpar, but with his talent that – it wouldn't be an equalizer, but he might give some teams the run of their season, if not the history of their organization. Uh, that being said, I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe at Stuart Haas at some point in the future. Uh, Tony has always, I don't think Tony's ever shied away from the fact that he does want Larson there. And Tony was really? a golden boy as well, wasn't they? So <laughs> Hence why I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised to yeah. see him in a Ford at some point. Yeah. Well, what would you say about him being in an IndyCar at some point? There are a lot of folks who would really like to see Kyle Larson in an IndyCar. And, and you know, we've seen this before with uh, A.J. Allmendinger when he was suspended by NASCAR for uh, violating the, the drug program. Roger Penske put him in an Indy car for the 500. And he, and he, you know, I know it's really early to tell, but uh, it could it could it be that if, you know if, NAF, if NASCAR just wants to keep him suspended, he shows up in an Indy car somewhere. I, I, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I would just have to think about what kind of sponsorship he would be able to bring to the table. Uh, that would probably be the main issue right now because yes, he does have the two sponsors in the world of outlaws still, but they're in the world of outlaws for a reason. No offense. Yes. Plan B sales does sponsor an Xfinity or a truck every now and then, but they don't, 
sponsor cup cars very often. Right, and because because their budget is not that exactly. large. Right, right. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Kyle Larson, but like I say, it's just it's way early uh, in this thing there. But but for now, he's uh, sitting on the bench. Um, but I again, you know, I just I just can't believe how casually he used that word. Um, yeah, you know, honestly, just even even among friends, right? I mean, I've got you know a lot of friends that are different ethnicities and this and that, but I never refer to any of my friends with a slur, even to be funny or cute. But but you know, go ahead. I think it's a different generation, though, unfortunately. And I think it's a generational thing. I'm not saying that you're old or anything, but you know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I think it is. I think it is. Though. So, like, Richard, it, it, you and I, you and I are friends, but I don't call you, hey, Limey. You know what I mean? Well, well not on air, anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but it, it, I'm not, again, not justifying it, but I think that is part of it. I think it is under certain environments and, you know, certain um, surroundings and certain generations they don't and I said they don't understand the true meaning and the true hurt that comes from some of these things that people say and it gets thrown around around in in culture I mean not again not to be you know judgmental or anything but you go around like the the R&B top 40 and probably a dozen of the songs have the word in them in it that Kyle Larson was was you know Oh, on. certainly. Or, or, if you, or if you watch an African American uh, comedian do their stand up. Yeah, no. But, you know what I mean, yeah. If you if you watch Eddie, Eddie Griffin or Chris in, Rock or one of those guys do stand up, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's there. But 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 it's the context which they use it in. Exactly. And also the context. Yeah. It's the fact that Kyle Larson is a comes across as a reasonably smart, switched on young man who's a father, I believe. He's got two kids now. Yes. You know, there's a point where you grow up and you don't do that. Um, you know, I think Joey Logano kind of said it best because he's one of the few NASCAR drivers that would speak about this when asked. And he said, you always have to be 100% on your game, realizing that you're representing these Fortune 500 companies and you're also representing your brand. And he said, it doesn't yep. matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're at the grocery store or out to dinner. Is all it takes is somebody to put a put a cell phone, you know, video on you th- that you don't know about. Uh, if you're, you know, kind of acting outside of what your brand wants to represent, so you have to be on your best <laughs> behavior all the time. And and to anybody in the public eye, not just a race car driver, but anybody in the public eye, uh, really yeah. needs to understand that. I mean, we've seen, you know. Yep. Crazy stuff for you know folks from the entertainment world or, or, or news world or whatnot, uh, where there's you know they're caught off guard or whatnot, and yeah. uh, they don't, rea- don't the realize they're being, well. <laughs> you know in the political world yeah don't realize they're being recorded, um, and so you've got to uh, be cognizant of who you represent twenty four seven. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. So who do you think will get that drive then? If it resumes and he's not back in that car, I think people have been talking about Ross Chastain, haven't they? Yeah, I would say either Chastain or maybe even Jamie McMurray, uh, only because Chastain still has the uh, not only to finish out the year in 
the 10 in the Xfinity Series for Colic Racing. Right now, he's filling in for Ryan Newman in the Cup Series. So if Newman's not ready to come back, I don't know how they'd be able to move Chastain to the 42 and leave the six empty. Interesting, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, when the season gets back underway is still up in the air. I mean, Martinsville is, is Martinsville still slated to open the season? At, to reopen the season as of right now, yes. Uh, yeah, last but, I've heard. Yeah, uh, but the that, Virginia governor says no, so that's, you know, so what's happened? We'll have to see what happens with that, but uh, hopefully well, we'll get a race soon. Race down at Homestead. Just have every race down in Florida because apparently wrestling's an essential activity. So maybe they consider NASCAR to be the essential activity, and everybody can go race at <laughs> Daytona. You, know, you could even go to, you know, you could do like Sebring, Daytona, um, St. Pete, and, and Homestead. Surely find the tracks down there. You could even go to Disney World. Oh, that doesn't exist anymore. Does it? <laughs> No, well, no, they, no one, they, 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 but there's they, no one there, so you can still make a track out of the parking lot. No, I was gonna say, yeah, they they, they <laughs> tore the track down, yeah, so a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, NASCAR's always wanted a street course, but like I said, there's no one there, so the parking lot's empty. They go through yeah. the uh, through the Magic Kingdom, yeah, you know, by the barber shop and the, around Cinderella's Castle. <laughs> It'd be fun. Bye. All right, so. Uh, Enough about Kyle Larson. So w- w- there were some really interesting um, iRaces this weekend, and, and comes to mind the IndyCar race where uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. threw his uh, hat in the ring, and um, he had a pretty good finish, did he not, Seth? Finished third, and I'm pretty sure this is the only time that we can say an Indy 500 uh, champion, a Bathurst 1000 champion, and a Daytona 500 champion have ever finished one, two, three in anything, regardless of whether it's iRacing or the real world. This is true. Yep. Simon Pagano was number one, and um, uh, young Scott McLaughlin was number two. And then Dale Earnhardt Jr. rounded out the podium. So, uh, But I, as I was watching this race, so I, I noticed a lot of guys had some trouble entering the pit lane. Is, well, that, is, that, is, that, part, is that some something with uh, with the controls or or, or, or whatnot or? Go ahead. Honestly, it's because on iRacing there isn't a specific etiquette to enter pit road. Uh, you just have to be you just have to be at pit road speed by the time you hit the timing line, which. Depending on the track you're at, Homestead up until this year, uh, you had to use the access road to enter pit road. Now you don't have to. Uh, Bristol used to be two separate pit roads. Now you could run it as either one pit road or two separate ones. Essentially, iRacing is trying to get more realistic as they evolve. Michigan, like I said, with there being no etiquette, it's not as simple as you going off uh, on the backstretch and slowing down throughout the corner. If you want to pit and not lose time, you have to break hard exiting turn four and dro- basically driving down pit road. Uh, I've done that 
numerous times on iRacing. I've done it successfully a lot of the time. There's been times where I've had issues either spinning or hitting the wall or just flat out missing pit road. Uh, it's not uncommon. That being said, with practice, uh, it is very easy to enter pit road at Michigan. Uh, Sage Karam, probably the best example where he's the most uh, seasoned driver of the IndyCar series on iRacing. He's even a coach for the virtual racing school, which uh, their goal is to help people improve on iRacing and actually teach them how to run on iRacing. So, and and the um, NASCAR guys were off, the, the regular yes. NASCAR iRacing was off for Easter, but we had the, um, we had the, Ma- event, the event uh, at the old Monza. Yes, Monza Madness. Uh, it was organized by Landon Castle. Uh, Joe... I have to look up the name to pronounce uh, it, unfortunately. But it was a sim racer who won uh, the race overall. And he, let's see. Joe Batelho? Uh, I'll be honest. I am not. I am familiar with him. It's just I haven't. Or sorry, Justin Botelho. I. I haven't raced with him. I have seen him race uh, in the E-NASCAR Road to Pro Series. Uh, that being said, he basically survived what they did, uh, the old Monta Oval. Uh, they ran 40 laps, no cautions, no t- uh, damage turned off. So whoever survived 40 laps on the old Monta Oval in cup cars would win the race. And... Justin won the race. Uh, there were some other iRacing events that did go on. Uh, the the iRacing has races literally every single day, almost every hour of the day, uh, that anyone can run. But there were some other organized races throughout the weekend. Um, Kicking the Tires had their league uh, last Friday night uh, to open their league up. Uh, Tanner Berryhill won. It was the Dirt Street Stock at Eldora. Uh, I took part in that. I was in every single caution. Uh, and I believe I finished 26th. Then I, I believe I saw the clip of your car flying through the air on the white flag lap. That was a different race. Uh, that okay. Was <laughs> a medium, that was Media Mayhem, uh, which was uh, Monday night. Organized by uh, Rob D'Amico, uh, who is with the Big Green Egg Company, the uh, uh, gr- that it's a grill company. Uh, it was yes, a char- I'm, yes, I'm familiar with that. Yep. Yes, it, it was a charity race. The winner would walk away with their own grill, while the charity of their choice would get to auction off a grill. Uh, I was running top ten the entire race uh, with. It had to be about two or three laps ago. Uh, Dylan Welch of MRN got underneath me, uh, and we were side by side. I got a push going into the second half of the dog leg in the street stock. Car just slid uh, across the track into the outside wall. I bounced into Dylan. Dylan went shot off 
through the apron, up the track, off the wall, came back down into me and set off the big one. Uh, yeah, that... you, yeah, you, yeah, you took out Hatchetfield. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, not you. In, in part, I'll, I'll take a little bit of the blame, but looking back at the replay, uh, Dylan never turned the wheel back to the right. He just cranked it hard left and came down and wiped me out. So uh, I'm not sure if that was a little bit of him getting immediate payback on me, which my move wasn't intentional, but uh, yeah, he we took out half the field in that, and pretty sure half the field passed below my car as I was airborne. Uh, oh my! And then there was another um, uh, indie style indie yeah, car race at yeah, so, uh, Texas. Uh, yeah, it was the Elite Racing League, I believe it's called. I uh, believe that's what it's called, yeah. Oliver Askew was the winner of that one. Yes, and I believe that one's promoted by Speed 51. Speed uh, 51, that's exactly right. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, leagues that anyone can be a part of. Uh, some are invite-only. Some uh, you can apply to join, and they'll either say yes or no, and then others are open to anyone. Uh, and last night uh, was the E-NASCAR uh, Coca-Cola iRacing Series that was won by Ryan Luz uh, for the third race in a row. Uh, Williams Esports has won the E-NASCAR Series. Uh, it was actually the longest E-NASCAR race uh, in the series history dating back to 2010 at one hour and I think 54 minutes or so. Uh, it was at Richmond and I think tempers are running high because there were a couple of drivers that I believe there are two drivers that accounted for eight of the cautions of the 16. Same two guys. Yeah. And then they had the one that they called the race, the race. Yes. The race. And that's, that's the one where I read that, uh, our Jacques Villeneuve, who I have a love hate relationship with, um, didn't, didn't have a rig. So he played at his kitchen table with an old Xbox controller and started at the back of the field and finished sixth. Yes. Now for what the the platform that the the race uses is R Factor Two, both R Factor Two and I Racing. Yes, you can use a keyboard or a game controller, whether it's Xbox, PS4, etc. It is not recommended for you to use those because it is extremely difficult to control the car with a controller or with the keyboard. So for Jacques Villeneuve to finish let alone finish sixth is impressive that is impressive yeah so now let me ask you a question going back to the race at monza right my understanding is that like when iRacing sets up these tracks they go and do a digital scan of the actual track so now now the monza the the old high banks of monza are, are covered with grass and and crumbling i mean how did they pull that off or did they just kind of recreate it digitally from old stock footage uh, it was also a combination of uh their traditional method which is laser scanning and stock footage which is something they're actually in the process of doing right now with north wilkesboro speedway uh they went and they laser scanned the track and 
in the art department, they go and recreate it to a certain point to its glory days. Granted, they kept all the bumps that are currently in the track. Not the crumb, not the fact that it's crumbling, but you will hit every single bump uh, that existed then and still exists to a certain point today, which makes it Monza extremely difficult to uh, corner and handle. Uh, I believe I've run there in the IndyCar on iRacing and in the Lotus 79, uh, which the line they use versus the line that the NASCAR stock cars use are two completely different things. Uh, and it, <clears throat> I always found it difficult to control. I I think I maybe have finished once there, and I know I've run at least 20 races there. So... Yeah, the reason I ask is because I've seen a few social media comments where people were wondering if, oh, why can't we have, um, like, the old Ontario Motor Speedway or Riverside? And the answer is because the track no longer exists. There's nothing to digitally scan. But, but I mean, can the whole thing be recreated from stock footage, do you think? I'm, I'm not a, a big tech guy on, on doing these sort of things, but uh, I would imagine it's probably semi-possible. It... Is it semi-possible? Yes. Is it practical is the probably the better question. Uh, two tracks that uh, I'll use as an example that are in the process, essentially, of being destroyed right now. Uh, Nazareth Speedway and Texas World Speedway. Could iRacing theoretically go and scan both of those tracks right now? Yes. The problem is the state that those two tracks are in would not give them all of the correct angles of the banking, would not give them the correct transitions of the banking, and would not give them an accurate idea of what it would have looked like even with the stock footage. Oh, uh, that's fair enough, yeah, but I just, I just, you know, I just thought I'd ask. It, it's more, without being able to go and laser scan it, they can't get accurate to the millimeter, which is essentially what they go, their goal is overall. Uh, I know they have tech, uh, they have North Wilkesboro Speedway in the works. They have a Fairground Speedway Nashville in the works. They have, yeah, but, but those, those tracks are not in the state of disrepair that like Texas world and Nazareth are. I, I know they have one track that, is also retired uh, in the works uh, that it's up to them when they announce it. Uh, so that's all you're getting from me. Uh, but uh, that one, I would say if it wasn't for certain people, it probably would be in the same state as Nazareth right now. So I'm honestly excited for when they do finally announce that one because I think some people will have a ball with it. Is it an old NASCAR track? Yes. Is it Rock- Rockingham? Rockingham is on the surface already. Okay, all right. I'm just trying to guess here since you won't tell me. I'm trying to think of retired NASCAR tracks. Even if you guess it, I'm not going to tell you. Well, Seth, you're horrible. <laughs> so, Richard, since Seth is being horrible, um, what's your take on all this e-racing stuff? Have you, have you been watching any of it at all? 
I do, I've seen a little bit of it, yeah. Um, I think it, it needs to grow a little bit. I think some people are doing it very well. Some people are making it look pretty crass and not, not great. Um, but I think, I think slowly it will build up. And I think the guys that do it seriously and the guys that do it properly, I mean, geez, they're incredibly talented. I mean, I, I used to dabble in it. And, you know, I used to, back in the day, you know, we, we used to do our factor racing with guys like Anthony Davidson and Jacques Villeneuve used to come in every now and again. And we used to do it on a Thursday night. And um, back in the UK, we always used to race at like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning because Jack was over in Canada and he didn't want to, you know, he wanted to do it when he wanted to do it. So everybody, everybody had to filter into Jack's uh, schedule. But, you know, so we sit there for like two or three hours practicing you know trying to tune the cars get the setup right you know get our best possible laptop and then something like Jacques or Anthony would come on and just without doing any setup on the car be like two seconds a lot faster than everybody else you just think how can you do that and it, you know that it is a computer game don't get me wrong or a simulation but you really can tell the difference between you know the good guys and the uh, and the not you know the, these guys are really good and they really do get it um, and I think if it was embraced a little bit more and, you know, pushed, I think it could be, it's obviously never going to replace the real racing, but I think it could be a nice little, they could certainly work in tandem better. And I think that what you'll see going forward is the series will, will embrace it a little bit more. And you may have, you know, co-events sort of thing, events at the same time in the same sort of, you know, how good would it be to have like a, I don't know if it's even technically possible, but I'm sure it is with the real world telemetry and real time telemetry these days. But actually have like, you know, a real car, right, you know, doing a lap of Indianapolis, racing against, uh, you know, people using virtual reality and all this sort of stuff, racing against, you know, guys on the computer, you know, and overlaying the images and all these sort of stuff. You know, just something to capture people's imagination and, and, and get people involved in it, I think, uh, is only good for the sport. Well, well, certainly, yeah. To uh, to piggyback on what you're saying a little bit, uh, for one, the uh, NASCAR Pro Invitational that's coming up this weekend at Richmond, uh, they kind of are focusing on the ones that are taking it more seriously. And the reason why I'm saying it is they only invited 26 drivers instead of the uh, 30 or 40 that they have been. Uh, they didn't invite Michael McDowell this week, who actually has a sponsor sign up for this week. They didn't invite uh, Keselowski. Uh, so there's you know some here and there that are not getting invited because they haven't been taking it seriously or because did they invite McDowell's... Clint? Did they invite Clint Boyer? Yes, because he is the NASCAR <laughs> on Fox in uh, <laughs> uh, race reporter. So. At least that's my understanding. But McDowell, in part, the reason why he wasn't invited is because if uh, iRacing had their incident point system in place in that league uh, two weeks ago, McDowell would have been uh, DQ'd from the race twice because he uh, exceeded the, the limit for disqualification twice. Yikes. So now uh, what, I, what I'd be interested to see is you see we've got a couple of these – NASCAR guys, right? We've got um, Jimmy Johnson was uh, running uh, with the IndyCar guys. Um, Dale Jr. did, and now Kyle Busch. Go do. When are when are when are the NASCAR 
Ely gonna let an IndyCar guy come over? Well, ultimately, I don't know if it's iRacing's decision or if it's NASCAR's decision. It, uh, I know iRacing has the final say, but if NASCAR is not inviting them, I'll put the blame more on NASCAR. I know Tony Kanon has said that he's interested in doing it. I know. Yeah, I think uh, Hinchcliffe said he's. I know Hinchcliffe. Well, yeah. I know Hinchcliffe Hinch is, is interested. Uh, I know New Garden is. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it's up to uh, wh- whoever NASCAR has administering the league uh, to decide. That being uh, all of this, uh, as far as working in tandem, I NASCAR has been talking about maybe having this iRacing league or having an iRacing league in general during the off-season going forward, so in December and January after the traditional season is over, having a, a exhibition iRacing league with some of their drivers, uh, that might be something to look forward to, and I could see that being a place where at least the professional NASCAR drivers go towards, uh, and that's outside of the e-NASCAR Coca-Cola series, which are they pros? They're pros for iRacing. Some of them do race in real life. Some of them have aspirations of racing in real life. Will they ever be able to transfer their skills into a real world experience? And how far would they go? It only depends on uh, what they're able to do. Now, who there is a guy in Europe that has. Um, uh, I can't there's two. Uh, there's two. Uh, uh, e NASCAR drivers in Europe, uh, Christian Chalner, who hails from the UK, and Jarl Teen from Norway. Well, there's one, Jan Mardenborough was um, uh, similar, you know, he was a, I believe he started off as a um, similar, you know, yes. esports sort of, yes. and then he, he's, he competed in like the British GT Championship. Uh, Formula 3 Championship GP2 for a couple of races for Carlin. Yes. And the 124 hour is done, the Blanchimont series. Um, so I think there's some, you know, have sort of stepped up. I remember he had a massive accident at the Nürburgring one year that was uh, pretty horrific. All right. Well, with that being said, we are out of time. So uh, until next week, hopefully nobody will. Uh, try to one-up Kyle Larson and see what else they can lose in my <laughs> racing race. So uh, but I want to thank you, Seth. I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and I want to thank iHeartRadio and Spreaker and uh, Google Podcasts and all those folks that host us. And I want to thank all you folks that listen to us. But uh, until next week, you know, stay safe, everybody. Good night. W-H-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-Z-O-O-B-A-
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.